0: Hey guys, before we get into the episode, there's a couple of things I wanted to share with you, real quick, about some upcoming events. One of them being from one of our sponsors, the Nate D Foundation. You might remember Nate's mom, Tiffany, from episode 84, where she shared the memory of Nate and how he was lost to a fentanyl overdose. And you can find more information on them at nate-d.ca. On June 24th and 25th, they are having their annual Nate D Memorial Slow Pitch Tournament in Aldergrove, BC, at the Philip. Jackman Park and Omerdome. Now, the tournament itself is full, but if you happen to be in the area, you can stop buying, you know, buy into one of the raffles, make a donation, check out some food, watch one of the teams that, that have paid to get in and support this great cause. Remember, what they do is to send individuals who couldn't otherwise afford it abroad for trauma therapy, and even locally for some counseling and therapy for people that, again, couldn't afford it. They do really great work, guys. They support the show. And you know if you could support them, that'd be great. If you're not in the area, consider going to the website. That's nate-d.ca and making a donation. To show your support that way. The final mention for upcoming events is you might remember Joseph Fourier from episode 94 and 95 and how we talked about losing his son Harlan Fourier to a fentanyl poisoning. With the pain of bad loss, he has started the No Thanks, I'm good campaign and they are having an awareness walk and rally to bring awareness to the high number of fentanyl poisonings and deaths in our communities that is in winnipeg manitoba on june 25th starting at 12 o'clock at the odita center now they don't have a facebook page or a website yet but they are getting to that in the meantime if you've got any questions don't hesitate to email me ashes to awesome podcast at gmail.com and i'll put you in touch those are a couple great causes to support and if you can please do thanks for listening guys now on to the show
1: Mama, I got bad news, bad news. I've been
0: rolling with some bad news, dudes, bad dudes. I've been trying to get a bag too, a bag too. I'm just doing what Hello, I listeners. To. Welcome to I the Ashes to Awesome podcast, mama, Rising in Recovery. A podcast providing light, hope, and understanding about addiction and mental health to those living within that life and the people who love them. This episode brought to you by... The Nate D Foundation, where their goal is to raise funds to allow individuals to attend trauma therapy and treatment. Learn more at nate-d.ca. Hey guys, so I just wanted to take a minute right away here and let you know that this is what I am now calling the OG episodes. It's one of them where it was recorded previous to me having my own computer. I had a borrowed Windows 7 laptop, no microphone, no headphones. You'll know it's one of these OG episodes by the little red ribbon in the top left corner of the logo beside any given episode. I have come in and cleaned up the sound as best as I could here just recently um, and added some sponsors in that. Um, However, it's still pretty rough. So please excuse the sound quality. The message was still strong and back then I was trying to use humor and stupid stories to get people's attention and then talk about the issues. Of course, since then we've evolved into a much more issue based show, but the message again was still important. And I kind of like the nostalgia of these old episodes. They remind me very quickly of where we came from and, and where we are today is you know so much further ahead. So anyway, guys, if the quality bugs you that much, jump ahead to, you know, episode 25, maybe 30, something like that. And uh, if you can put up with it, hey, enjoy some of the old times. Thanks for listening. Right off the bat, I usually put in a little disclaimer here about how I am not trying to glamorize the addiction lifestyle, nor am I trying to minimize the seriousness of it. And you might have noticed I changed my wording at the beginning of this episode a little bit to an often humorous look instead of a humorous look. And that's because all night I, uh, uh, I was thinking about how this show is meant to, to get the message about addiction out, and, and I think so far I've done a pretty good job of getting people's attention, at least I, I hope I have, and I think they can't all be funny episodes, I think. That's great to get your attention, like I said, but at the end of the day, um, they just can't all be funny because addiction is nowhere close to always funny. I've uh, cherry-picked some stories, and I'll continue to do that in the future, but in this episode, I want to talk about uh, the new landscape, the new landscape of, of the drug scene, the drug world, right? We, we have... Well, two things have happened really: um, meth and fentanyl. So, the way I put that, my way with words, is is I I say that with with these two drugs, we've created a perfect storm. So, we've got one drug, fentanyl, that people will do literally anything for. It's physically addicting. It's horrible, and and there it literally changes people's brain chemistry in record time into. Uh, into needing it or, or, or feeling like they're going to die. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody, um, suffering or or being, what's called dope sick, but it's an awful thing to see. Um, I've I've literally watched grownups, um, scream in pain and shit themselves. They've been so horribly dope sick. And then meth, which I, I mean, it affects everybody very, very differently. Um, but the one, the one constant truth about meth is it keeps people awake and it keeps people awake for a long time. So you put the two together, you've got one drug that people will do literally anything for and another drug keeping them awake for two weeks at a time doing it. It has changed the landscape in so many ways and even being in the thick of the drug scene when it started to happen, I still couldn't tell you how it happened. Um, It, it used to be People were, you know, they, they did coke or crack or ups, you know, ups in general. And then, or they did downs. And, and down is a term that's funny because when I was a kid, down meant heroin. And then as a younger to, you know, most of my adult life, I guess, down meant um, morphine or, you know, uh, for the most part, at least in the in the region I was at. And then now down means fentanyl. Right and and down is a broad term when it comes to drugs. It does it does it means anything on on a down level on typical opiates. But it's funny how the casual use of it and and the slang has changed over time um, to what's now by far the deadliest drug the world has ever seen. Deadliest street drug, anyway, the world has ever seen. And now, of course, we've got carfentanil, which is you know whatever another hundred times more powerful than fentanyl. And and these drugs are miracle drugs if you're somebody suffering from, like, a third-degree burn or or some other sort of horrible pain, but they're fucked up, eh? You know, um, the, the history of fentanyl, where it came from was, as I understand it anyway, and there might be different versions of this, but um, back in the day, the cartels used to spike. Well, okay, fentanyl was created as a, as a painkiller, as, as an artificial opiate, right? Um, and... In the beginning, it was used for what it's supposed to be used for, and like all prescription drugs, of course, it was you know misused and all that as well. But where it became a street drug on mass, anyway, was the cartels used to cut their heroin with it. Um, but, well, spike. So if, you, if you're cutting a drug, you're you're weakening it, but bulking up your quantity so you can sell more and make a higher profit margin. If you're spiking a drug, you're making it more potent. And so it's a you know it's a quality over quantity thing, I guess, if you wanna twist it that way. So the the cartels eventually went, Well, why the hell are we growing poppies and carrying on and shipping heroin in from overseas when we can just make fentanyl? Right? So that's what they started doing. And somewhere over the course of COVID, when drug prices were all over the fucking map, fentanyl was the one thing that started to drop in price. It was just crazy. Um, cocaine on the wholesale level had doubled. Uh, on a retail level, it had only gone up twenty percent. So for somebody like me who was you know in the middle of it back then, that was really bad math. But um, meth uh, had doubled across the board. Meth is weird; it doesn't have a ceiling at a retail price. Like people will pay whatever they have to pay for that. But fentanyl, fentanyl just kept coming down in price. It's it's now at less than twenty five percent of what it was three years ago isn't that crazy isn't that just nuts you know like this is a deadly deadly disease and our deadly deadly drug And anyway the thing that's happened you know of course with that is the deaths uh and the violence um me will speak to the violence first so and now for a quick psa brought to you by revolution recovery helping men recover and become their best selves through support and treatment They've been there, and they understand.
1: Hi everyone, this is Carl the Atheist from Weekend Ramblings with today's public service announcement about naloxone, or as it's more commonly known, Narcan. Naloxone is a fast-acting drug used to temporarily reverse the effects of an opioid overdose and has successfully reversed thousands of overdoses across Canada and the United States. There are two types of Narcan kits available, naloxone nasal spray and naloxone injectable. Both are small and compact enough to fit easily inside of a first aid kit or even a glove box. These kits are available for free at most pharmacies and harm reduction centres across Canada and some states. If you're having a hard time finding Narcan kits in your area, please contact the Ashes to Awesome team at ashes to awesome Podcast at gmail.com with Narcan in the subject line and we'll get Chuck to find out what's available. You'll never intentionally be around illicit opioid use but you never know when it might be around you, and you could save the life of somebody who is loved, and who loves. Thanks for listening, and now, back to the show. I went 20 years,
0: 20 years of being in and out of the drug game, and not once, not once was I worried about getting robbed, not once did anybody really give me a hard time. Granted, I was pretty picky about who I would deal with and and all of that, but... Still, not a single time did I ever even, like, it never even occurred to me that I might be about to be in trouble, you know. And then in the course of two years, I can't tell you how many times I've had a gun in my face. I can't tell you, I won't tell you in detail about some of the things that have happened to me. It's been bad. It's been it's been really bad. Um, the, the level of violence came out of nowhere and, and it came hard and fast and it's left me... It's left me in, in, in rough shape sometimes, you know, with uh, with PTSD, but it is what it is, so. Um, and, of course, the other thing that's happened is death. If you are involved in the drug world, especially if you have any connection to, to fentanyl at all, um, and, and that doesn't mean that you do it or that you sell it. It just means that you happen to be around people that, that might do it. Death has become normal. It's completely normal. It's for quite a stretch there. Um hearing somebody's name that had that had overdosed every week or two was normal somebody you knew right and it was just it's crazy how the landscape has changed and it's you know um if you've been sober for for more than I'll say 5 years but probably even less than that you you don't even know anymore you don't know what the drug world is like anymore it's a totally new landscape out there and and it's and again you know, in my mind it's the combination of those two drugs that's done it so um, the deaths. So, I've wrestled with this one here internally when I when I thought about doing a different kind of episode, and uh, with the exception of somebody who was related to me, um, I'm going to use real first names on the deaths, um, and then avoid any sort of connection to to their to surviving family members. You know, just to to respect everybody's privacy. So off the top of my head drug addiction Um, the first one that I remembered clearly was Jen Um, Jen was uh, a sister cousin girlfriend daughter to a whole family that I I know quite well Um, and and that was before fentanyl um, but it was the the drug addiction directly led to her death uh, and the lifestyle that went with it Um, that was that was the first time that I was really exposed to it. And, um, thinking back on it now, and I know there's very good chances that, well, I know for a fact that at least her brother and one of her cousins is going to hear this and, and guys, I, I still, like I, I, I feel your pain. Oh, I don't feel your pain. I try to empathize with your pain because uh, she wasn't my family member, you know, as close as, as close as we were. That was, that was horrible, so, you know, um, shout out to her memory. Um, and then after that, oh, there's been so many. Uh, there was Chelsea. There was another Chelsea. There was, she was supposed to uh, come to detox the last time I went. Um, she was right around the same position I was on the waiting list, so would have been there the same day as me. And um, I found out months later, I just assumed that she decided not to go. And I find out months later that uh, she had died two days before she was supposed to come to detox. There was Mariah who had a special soft, a special place in my heart for Mariah. Uh, her positive energy uh, when we were in detox last time was, uh, was intoxicating. Uh, she's a beautiful girl, um, sometimes over the top, but nonetheless, uh, She was doing well as well. She was sober and fell off. And the thing about falling off is sometimes people make up for lost time and just kind of dive like headfirst back into the dope. And she did. And she, uh, she passed a very short time later. So, um, there was Brooke who nobody even knew did did fentanyl and um, she passed as an overdose there was sophie she wasn't an overdose she was uh she took her own life but again drugs drug addiction directly linked to that tragedy i'm having to uh stop and start recording over and over again here cuz i'm having a really hard time getting through this list, and this list is just off the top of my head. The sad reality, the very, very sad reality, is that there's so many names that I'm forgetting right now. I'm pressuring myself to remember them. Not one of the names I have mentioned, not one so far, has been over thirty. You think about that for a minute, right? All of these young ladies. And young, most of the mothers, most of the mothers have died as a direct result of drug addiction, and and the majority of those fentanyl, not that the drug of choice matters when the family's mourning, right? The vast majority of my life, I've been, I've been using drugs and addicted to, you know, something anyway. But about a year ago is when I really started to make like hard efforts at, at, at cleaning up, and it's taken me. It's taken me a lot. I, I, I fucked up those efforts a bunch of times, and then, but the day that I had decided to quit yet again, sometime you know, close to a year ago, anyway, I would gotten the news about one of my friends back home, and back home being where I am now. Uh, I wasn't at the time. The lion, and there's some discussion about the circumstances around his death, but at the end of the day. The lion passed from from a fentanyl overdose, or so whatever the circumstances were. It's sad. It's so sad because the thing about him, and I'll t- I'm I'm going to sidetrack for a second before I get into my next person I want to talk about. But the lion, he's going to come up in, in future stories here. He's a big part of our lives. Um, my my group of peers and, and friends and people that have got their shit together. Uh, he was a big part. Where I met him, where I met him, I'm just going to tell a quick little story about him because. Because it makes me smile, and right now I need that. So, he, I was in Judy at the, the juvenile detention or whatever, doing a bit for you know a, a moron anyway, and I had all of a sudden i have been accused of stealing something out of a, of another guy's cell deodorant, believe it or not. But little, little things can be huge things when you're when you're in jail. So I was about to face off four or five guys had come into my into my house, we called him, in, in my cell, whatever. And I was standing there shitting bricks, and I was about to, you know, I was about to take a thump. And this guy pushes past the crowd of guys that, are, that have just walked into my room. and He comes and stands beside me, and he says, well, it looks like it's all a yawn to now. I'd never even met him. This is the lion. This is who he is, right? Like." And then, you know, anyway, I got the news of his passing the day, the day that I was try to sober up and I just I didn't have the capacity in that moment to, to deal with it. I just didn't and it was sometime later that I that I finally reached out to my to my group my group of friends back home and, and was able to, you know, kinda of get the details or whatever about what had happened and you know, that the world is is missing a soldier, a really, like a truly, a good guy, you know, a good guy, I mean, like the rest of us, when we were younger, he was a bit of a maniac, he did some dumb shit, whatever, but, the world's missing him right now, and, the next, and, and I think, final name, that I'm going to talk about, and I'm just, I have to call her, Cuz, because, of my anonymity, and and how important that is to me, as I make this show, Cuz, she was, in her 30s, her and I were the, the proverbial black sheep, you know. And and just in the last couple of years that she was alive, we'd, she had cleaned up? she had cleaned her act up. She was she was hard on the fentanyl. Has five kids. She but she was going hard on the fentanyl, and then her life was was unmanageable at best. You know, she wasn't doing well at all, and she had moved out of town to uh, closer to where I was, the same part of the world I was to live with my mom. And my mom, you know, my mom treated her niece like like her own daughter, and helped her to start to get her life back on track. You know, and she she did so well. I, I think it was eleven months. And forgive me, mom, if I'm uh, if I'm wrong with the date there, but I think it was eleven months she was clean, and she was fighting this battle to get her her children back. And ultimately she lost the battle and there's no doubt in in anybody's mind that that losing that battle resulted in her going back to back to the drugs, right? And she died in a bathroom. Old ghost unintentional, right? I've had the displeasure of having to use an uh, a few times now. The last time was Maybe two weeks before I left where I was and, and came back here, you know, to to be sober for good. And the thing is, is I, I imagine I'm like you know a lot of people in the world. I don't just hang around casual people very much. Like, and I care about people. Like, I really care about people. So, if I'm spending any kind of time with somebody, I probably you know care about them at, at least at, at more than a surface level. So, when it comes time to Narcan somebody, it's terrifying. And to all of you that do fentanyl, and you say things like, Well, you've had Narcan, you know what it's like. Well, you don't. You don't because you do fentanyl. And you're going to be high when that time comes to, to Narcan somebody. Well, you're sober and hate the drug anyway. And you have to literally save, like, somebody's dying. Their lips are blue, they are dying in your arms you're shaking them, you're smacking them, you're splashing water on them, you're screaming for somebody to bring you some fucking Nartan. If nothing else motivates you to quit, let that be it. The people around you that are saving your life, it's not okay. It's just not okay to put them through that. There's um, Outside of the violence in my life, there's nothing more traumatizing I've ever lived through. Um, there's more, most recent time, it was two nasal Narcans and three needles before she woke up. The time before that, somebody else asked me that I really cared about as well. And it felt like an hour, but it was probably 10 minutes because, you know, paramedics are pretty good at what they do. But there was no Narcan. So all I could do was keep the operator on, on speakerphone at 911 and give chest compressions until. Until the paramedics showed up. And on their way out the door after saving their life, you know, they said, See you later. And at first, you know, you just want to say, Fuck you, right? But you stop and think about that for a minute. And it is so commonplace. These paramedics see the same people over and over and over again. And imagine the death that they experience, you know. And I talk about how you know somebody every week or two, but these paramedics are saving the lives of people that in their minds are just going to die anyway you know and I can't imagine that I just that job must be so hard so so hard so shout out to uh, to all the well all the first responders at the end of the day especially the paramedics that have to deal with this shit day in and day out I don't know how you do it I just don't know I'm not ashamed to say that uh, I just had to stop recording and have a really good cry about the list I just, that I just listed off there, folks. So, you know, I, I previous episodes here I've talked about how I've been tasked with finding a takeaway from all of this, from every story. You know, and this one's easy. It's it's really easy. All these shining lights, all of these people there's somebody's daughter, sister, mother brother son friend and for what for what so I mean the takeaway is obvious just say no fuck if it was that easy right none of these people you know in in the case of the fentanyl addicts not one of them chose not one of them chose to die the way that they chose or the, the way that they died not one of them chose to roll around on the floor screaming in pain and shitting themselves because they didn't have their drug. And when people say, well it was their choice, you know, and it's not, it's not. It's a series of these little micro choices that get you to that point. And the difference between me and them is I took a left when they took a right, I zigged when they zagged. But it could just as easily have been me and it could just as easily have been just about anybody in your life, especially with something like fentanyl, because it, it grabs you so fast and it messes with your brain and it messes with your body and it's this horrible fucking thing so if uh, if you haven't done it don't if you're in active addiction and the one drug you haven't done is fentanyl don't don't try it once please don't try it once so many people die that way and if you are doing it my thoughts and prayers are with you and I hope, I hope that you can find maybe today's the day today's the day you reach out to somebody I, I truly hope that it is you know so, I guess this is the time in the episode when I when I list off my gratitudes, and a couple of them are going to be repeated right now, but that's fine. My cuz, you know, <laughs> I wish I could give, put her real name on here, but I just can't, I gotta tra- stay true to my format that way, but number one spot is cuz, you know, she's, uh, her passing is a constant reminder to me of the perils of of that lifestyle and in no small way, a part of why I'm, why I'm not doing drugs anymore. So yeah. Number two is my life it ties back to to the, this whole thing. And how so easily that could have been me. And the fact that I'm here now is uh, something I have to be grateful for. And I, and I sincerely am number three, my friends again, you know what's really cool, and this happened more than twice in my life, but two really notable times in my life. I have been fortunate in that when I've come back from the dark side, my friends have taken me back in and almost in a casual, well, what do you mean? Of course we did kind of way, right? And you got to appreciate that. When you're in the thick of if active addiction, it it. Okay. It feels like nobody, you know, it feels like nobody's ever going to love you again. And you wonder if they should, right? Because your, your self esteem is so low. So when your friends just welcome you back with open arms and kind of a, well, fucking course we did, you know, kind of attitude, it's a pretty amazing thing. My, uh, somebody I knew not that long ago, just before I got out of, uh, of my addiction, uh, started my recovery, I should say. Said to me that for all the chaos in your life, and there has been chaos on a level that I haven't begun to describe or that you could begin to understand. They said, for all the chaos in your life, Chuck, you tend to hold on to some really incredible people, and that's a true story. Fuck, I do. You know, I hold on to some great people. So. Yeah. And then number four, of course, is you guys, the listeners. Without you guys listening, I've got no point in recording. For that, I am. Grateful, so yeah. uh, that said, if you're enjoying the content, not that I expect you to have enjoyed this episode, but you know, if, if it's given you something to think about and you'd like me to continue recording episodes, please, uh, please don't hesitate. If you feel like donating, please donate. Uh, it really does help me out as well. Uh, there's a, a cool way that you can help out and help yourself at the same time so that Coho K O H O, the online bank. They're not a sponsor of mine, and I'm not trying to advertise them. Um, but if uh, you go to my Facebook page, Dolby Canuck, and look for the link, it's a couple posts down now. Uh, if you sign up with my referral link, we both get 20 bucks. And that happens as soon as you spend five bucks with your Coho account, which you can do right away because they give you a virtual card. You don't have to wait for your card to come in the mail. So if you're going to order, you know, skip the dishes or, or something or do some online shopping. You can just transfer a bit of money into that account. You know, after you're verified, do your shopping and never look at the account again. Right? Throw throw it out. I don't care. Whatever. But uh, the next day, we'll both see twenty bucks. So I mean, it's a free twenty bucks. You'd be really helping me out. Uh, she's lean times as I try and get this uh, this project up and off the ground and, and to a point where I can make a living at it. So, so that's that. Anyway, if you are in active addiction on um, whatever your drug of choice is make today the day make today the day that you reach out to a friend a family member an any meeting a detox whatever you gotta do find somebody to talk to and maybe today's the day that you start that uh, that lifelong journey of you and it really is better on this side guys it really is if you are the loved one of an addict you just had time to listen to this this podcast take a minute and send that person a text today please let them know they're loved. Use the words, you are loved. It worked wonders for me when my mom used to do it um, and throws in the throes of my addiction. Maybe it says, I miss you. Maybe it says, I love you. Let them know. Let them know you're there still because addiction is lonely and terrible and it stops us from reaching out. It stops us from doing the right thing. And, you know, maybe, just maybe, your message is the thing that brings them back. <laughs> I've been trying to get back to, back to, I'm just doing what I have to, I have to I said mama I got bad news, bad moods every day, brand new Tattoos on my face, sad dude with a head full of rain I just wanna make it rain, mama I will be okay I feel like I'm my break right now, I feel like making a fucking mistake right now, yeah. I just need a cake right now I blow all the candles in my brains right now Ew. I'm so tired